Welcome to the Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. Get out your cheesecake, because this week we have a special guest, Dr. Ken Nielsen, calling all the way from Abu Dhabi to talk with us about the Golden Girls. We'll also be recommending some Black-authored works that have been resonating with us during this profound moment of change. Welcome, Ken. Uh, Ken is the Associate Director of the Writing Program, Director of the Writing Center, and Senior Lecturer of Writing and Literature and Creative Writing at NYU Abu Dhabi, and also a very good friend of mine from way back in the day. He's also a Golden Girls expert. How's everything going in Abu Dhabi? How are you doing, Ken? I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, we've been in isolation now for about uh, 12 weeks. Um, in, in Abu Dhabi, where you have to practice social distancing and wearing masks and, and rubber gloves in, in grocery stores. But but we're doing okay. Good. I need to say that I, I hadn't ever heard your resume before, Ken. It was just always my friend Ken and my wonderful friend Ken. And as a writer, I'm now signing off because I have complete imposter syndrome and I can no longer speak with you. So you two have a nice podcast and I love you both. He's very well, fancy. let me tell you that everybody has imposter syndrome, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and um, the thing I, that the first text I give my students every semester is Anne Lamott's shitty first drafts. Yes. Right. Well, so, yes. <laughs> the first draft of this podcast, and and here we go. Awesome. That's it's wonderful. A- no, I mean I'm a published novelist, but I still, you know, I also uh, Neil Gaiman told uh, Jenny Lawson at one point to write on her hand, "Pretend you're good at it, and read it until you believe you're good at it." So I do that sometimes. <laughs> exactly right. I mean I. I've gotten the gold medal from the University of Copenhagen. I have a PhD. I have all of these things. And yet, every time I sit down and have to write, I'm like, I'm facing the blank page. And I'm like, oh, no, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. Um, I do definitely want to talk about, obviously, first up, um, we, we sort of have been starting the ep- uh, episodes recently, just kind of acknowledging everything that's going on here in the U.S. right now, um, both with COVID, but also just obviously with Black Lives Matter. Um, and just kind of, you know, I think we're constantly reassessing our role about, you know, isn't this yeah. right time to talk about Golden Girls? Um, you know, is the right time to be even doing this silly podcast, which sort of started out of, you know, cancel culture, silly podcast, uh, pop culture stuff. And, you know, I, I struggle with that all the time. And I've decided in my mind, at least, I would love to know what you guys think about this when things are sort of going through times of strife that you want to talk about silly stuff, but also how it ties into more serious stuff and, and that yep. balances. You need both to, to do both. You got to sort of take a break to do the more serious work. Um, so I, that said, in the name of kind of amplifying Black voices, which I feel like is really kind of important right now, um, just this like one easy thing we as privileged white people can do. Uh, we're, we're kind of trying to think about um, ways to 
kick off this episode by recommending each of us a, a black authored work just to sort of give a little light and things that are just kind of affecting us in this moment and things that we want to share, um, you know, as, as white people and from that perspective. Uh, Ken, what do you have for us? Well, I have, I have a couple of things. Um, one is um, I would like to recommend Betty Levette's um, album, Things Have Changed, where she sings Bob Dylan, right? So it's right here. And it's particularly, I think, the times are changing. <laughs> um, is, is, is resonant with me. And then I just want, uh, I would like people to read um, Angela Davis and uh, Bill Hooks, um, right? And particularly, I think Angela Davis's um, freedom is a constant struggle. Um, it's important right now for all of us to think about um, in that the struggle is real. It's happening in the streets. It's going on. Um, and then Bill Hooks, All About Love, which is about how can we, how can we create a revolution or a change that is based on compassion and uh, love. <clears throat> I love that. That's excellent. I have not read either of those, so I need to get on that. Girl, you got to get to work. I know, I know. Um, do we want to take a listen to a uh, little Betty Levette, uh, Dylan? Come get gather around people wherever you're wrong. And admit that the waters around you have grown. Just accept it that soon. You'll be drenched to the bone If your breath is worth saving You better start swimming Or you're gonna sink like a stone Cause the time It's changing See the times They're changing now That was The Times Era Changing, uh, Betty Levette, amazing singer, covering Dylan. Uh, Fanny, what, what do you have for us this week? Well, surprising no one, my um, recommendation is in YA literature. Uh, there's a book called Dear Martin by Nick Stone. Her name is spelled N-I-C uh, instead of N-I-C-K. So Nick Stone, uh, there's a sequel out to this in September. It's a timely story about a good Black kid that, gets profiled by the cops and how it uh, affects him and how he deals with it. Um, it was recommended to me by Angie Thomas, who wrote the fabulous, the hate you give and on the come up and uh, at a wonderful event that she gave over a year ago now at Oakland tech, where recently thousand youth assembled and bravely stood up against police officers with uh, tear gas. And uh, one of the the students that was there for that is a gentleman named Samuel Getachew. And he was Oakland's Youth Poet Laureate. And he was also at the Angie Thomas event and really impressed me with his poetry. I will, uh, it's spelled 
G-E-T-A-C-H-E-W. You can find him on the web and on Twitter. And his poetry is is really, really touching and good. So also Samuel get at you. Nice. I'll definitely check That's that what out. I so, have. <laughs> um, I have more music. Uh, a multi-instrumentalist, Namdi, out of Chicago, who's someone I just discovered I really did not know much about this guy. Um, he really is doing crazy genre blending stuff. It is a little kind of like almost punk kind of poly rock stuff, but from sort of a black um, perspective and sings a lot of political lyrics. Um, his new EP is called Black Plight. It is uh, currently available only on Bandcamp um, and proceeds from the album. It's a three song EP are split between East Chicago and Asada's Daughters, which does a lot of work around uh, sort of police violence and sort of defending people uh, legally against that. I wanted to play a song from that EP. It's called Rage, appropriately enough. Uh, let's take a listen. So yeah, those are some things that we recommend this week. Uh, check them out. Let us know what you think. Um, we would love to know what you guys are kind of listening to and reading and watching to kind of get you through this period and what things are engaging you about it in, in challenging, interesting ways. So please let us know. Um, now we're moving on to the junk. We got some junk as always. Um, you do like <laughs> junk. Fanny, <laughs> uh, what do you got for junk? Uh, just our general pop culture this week. Okay, I've got some serious junk. I'm going to start with serious junk, and then I'll jump back to not that serious junk. Um, On USA, because, yeah, junk, USA Network. If even Bravo won't air you, you are drunk. (laughs) You are junk and drunk. Um, We have the second season of Dirty John, which is the retelling uh, docudrama of the Betty Broderick story. This is a... Christian Slater and Amanda Peet. Yeah, they're back. Amanda Peet. Yeah, that's a name I haven't heard. <laughs> haven't heard that in a while, right? Uh, she's got some Farrah Fawcett hair. And very famously, this is the, you know, the the country's most contentious divorce that turned deadly. There have been, I think, three episodes have dropped on USA. You can find it on demand. Look. This one doesn't have Eric Bana or Connie Britton, so I don't know why I'm watching it, but I did. Um, I can't recommend that anyone else go check this out, <laughs> except for the costumes and the hair and the weird wig on Christian Slater and the real bad glasses. <laughs> Other than that, it's, we all know the story, and it was done better in the 80s. Moving on. Meredith Baxter-Burney did it better. 
surprising no one. Uh, on AMC, there's a three-episode show based uh, on the United Kingdom's scandal of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, their original version of that show. There was a possible cheating scandal. The show is called Quiz. It stars... Um, uh, Matthew McFadden, who is in uh, Succession, he plays Tom as the kind of bumbling husband that they get on the show and may may or may not have cheated and won a million dollars. Also, Michael Sheen in a really weird Children of the Corn blonde wig and some nose putty. This actually is really good. It's very interesting. It is, it's a high story, but it's like a nerd high story. It's all of these British pub nerds that are getting together and have this network on how to game the system for how to be a millionaire. Um, really interesting, really funny, very well done. I mean, no surprise, this is AMC. They know how to write a, a nice little piece of business. Uh, Parker, when we were watching it, told me, if you and Justin were going to be do a heist, this would be the heist you did. <laughs> and, and he's not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I love that he sees us. Yeah, he does. Uh, we did uh, "Hate Thy Neighbor" on Netflix, with which is Jamale Maddox. I believe I'm pronouncing both of those right. It's a stand-up comedian, also from the UK, that has gone around and found uh, people of all races with super extreme views truly Nazis and like very extreme, like more extreme than black, black Panther uh, groups that, you know, very much are separatist. Um, and then it kind of combines stand-up comedy with his interviews with these people and, and what they've gone through and what they're like, he goes to a swastika burning and uh, into a Ku Klux Klan bar where he, at first they tell him he have to, has to stand outside, but then the owner gets real mad because it's a Ku Klux Klan bar. Everybody's welcome, including this half black man. It's interesting. And the stand-up comedy is poignant and also funny i think it's it's from 2018 but it, it is worth checking out it's on hulu um i watched the first episode of i may destroy you on hbo i don't know what i think about this i think i need two or three more episodes to even understand what's going on so this I'm is michaela sure. cole right from chewing yes, gum from chewing gum yeah, and i'm not adored. i forgot that it aired but um, yeah i have read the description of where it's going but the first episode is very, I, I couldn't really follow it. I, it was pretty to look at. And I don't know if I wasn't paying close enough attention. I will keep going because the subject matter interests me. It, and I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to do spoilers. But if you liked Chewing Gum and you like Michaela Cole, I would say check it out. I would also wait for a couple more episodes to drop if you are a newbie to the to her or her work as i am so i'm going to give it two more episodes and then i'm going to watch them all together i do um, want you to watch chewing gum at some point because yes. you would really enjoy that it's I, I probably it's will um yeah. parker came to me and said mom will you watch this movie on hbo max with me about raccoons but they're not really raccoons with huge balls and i said sure i think justin was talking about that and so we watched that this evening well, we watched all but about 20 minutes of it because it's over two hours long, Justin. 
I mean, it is in the world of Japanese raccoon dogs with giant testicles. It is the epic. I mean, and they only the, they they only make one one big testicle joke. One. Oh, you didn't get we to were, the part where they start flying using their testicles. Yeah, we did. It's, they don't go into that though. There's only one where they say, "Oh, you're sitting on my raccoon sack" or whatever. It's the plot goes friggin' eight million different ways i was with it for about an hour and then i was done so which i, so, I believe i said not for everybody last week when i talked you about you it. did and that's fair <laughs> but i'm looking over my glasses at you that is what i did in pop culture we did we both did something but our dot got messed up and i think that's me so we can talk about that if you want well i i haven't watched um this video of raccoons with giant balls um <laughs> you know, i'm intrigued it's um, a movie called pompoco don't <laughs> what did you do again are you get, are you escaping with any good junk say that no, again no pun intended are you escaping with any good pop culture that's sort of not serious and not academic to get you through this bizarro time other than golden girls which we'll talk about um, um leaving the junk Part aside, um, I'm going to, um, I think, Rita, the Danish TV series about a, a, a public school teacher is actually really um, interesting. Um, so it's R-I-T-A, Rita. Okay. I haven't heard and of it's about her, her life and about not being very good at being a school teacher. Uh, and I think that that's a very interesting series too. Watch. I mean, it's it's not particularly um, sort of scintillating or that, uh, but but it's a good series. So. Do you know? Can it you looks watch like it in it's the on. US? I just looked it up. You can. It's on Netflix. There are four seasons. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah, and they're just they're producing a fifth season. So nice. And it it really is about this school teacher who is um, rebellious in some ways. Um, and cannot um, conform to the, the the ideals that she's supposed to be within, and so she teaches kids different things. Right? Excellent. <laughs> Not particularly articulate, but there we go. Yeah. No, I mean that sounds I'm great. I'm always looking for new shows. I'm definitely running out of good shows, so I will check that out. I feel like I've reached the end of all shows. It does feel like that. Which you can right tell now. because I started watching Sons of Anarchy again. <laughs> well, then Rita is your, is your go-to. Five I will seasons. try it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else non-Golden Girls you want to talk about? No, except stay woke and, you know, be safe out there in the streets. But... Good, good advice, always. Um, I watched a combination of things, junk and non-junk. I mean, I think I said junk this week just because I was being silly, but all of this stuff has has bits of meaning, obviously, that mean a lot of things to us. I will start with my junkiest thing. I have a new show called The Hollow uh, on Netflix. It is animated. Ken, your husband would love it. I'm going to tell him to watch it. It is decidedly not for Ken or Fanny. It is an animated 
sci-fi crazy adolescent teenager show with kids jumping around to various universes through some mystical thing. There are lots of crazy... Do I hear grumbling in the background? (laughs) We're both like shaking our heads violently. (laughs) It is very much not for either of you. Ken, tell your husband and Fanny, maybe tell Parker. Uh, It is the hollow on Netflix. It's very silly. Um, I finished um, a few shows, uh, Feel Good on Netflix, which I believe I talked about last week, uh, which is a half-hour comedy drama about a Canadian lesbian living in England and falling in love with a straight girl. It is very sweet. I liked the show a lot. I'm really curious to see what they do next season. I thought it ended really well. Um, Betty is the HBO show based on the the film Skate Kitchen I've also talked about Uh, it is uh, again just like I love these six episode shows that are only a half hour long Uh, this show guys this is so good I mean Betty is really phenomenal it sort of looks at the intersection of queer black skate feminist young culture in New York City and uh, just has this very naturalistic, I mean, it, nothing really happens in each episode, and yet I'm just kind of riveted by every moment, and there are six perfect little episodes. I cannot say enough good stuff about the show. I hope n- enough people see it. I mean, I don't even know that I want more, but I just want people to to see the show. It's great. Uh, I also finished We're Here, um, the drag queen RuPaul spinoff, which we've talked about a bunch. The final episode was made in quarantine on Zoom, like so many sort of reality-based shows. I found it incredibly moving. Instead of, you know, because they didn't really have a story to go to, the, sh- the premise of the show is they usually go to a small town and put on a drag show. Because they weren't able to do that this time, they just sat in quarantine, turned their, you know, cameras and microphones on in their apartments and talked about themselves and had photos and kind of early footage of themselves as kids and really just took a look at kind of, you know, what their queer lives were like when they were young. And I found it so moving. Um, I just, that is a terrific show. I'm so blown away by how much I liked it. Um, Also, I watched 13th on Netflix, the documentary uh, by Ava DuVernay, which has been around now for a couple of years, and everybody's, I'm very late to the party here, everybody loved it. It is truly amazing. Ken, have you seen this at all? I haven't. It is, oh God, you have to watch it. It's so amazing. It is basically about the 13th Amendment, and kind of obviously what that meant for you know, abolishing slavery, but sending black people into prison to become free labor, um, you know, as a form of punishment and how that has basically fed the prison industrial complex ever since then. Uh, It is so sort of like mind-blowingly cohesive about how it ties together everything from sort of the abolishment of slavery to police violence that's happening now. Fanny, did you see it? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. You talked about this a long time ago. Oh, I, yeah, I've seen it. It is it makes just, me real it, mad. It's astounding. It is so yeah. good, Ken. I really would love to just like talk to you about it later after you watch it. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, I also watched Black Panther. It's a documentary about the Black Panthers called Black Panthers: Vanguard of the Revolution on, on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is really good. Uh, Amazon Prime is doing a really nice job of just kind of popping up great um sort of sort of black themed content at this point um 
you know, it's a little like, okay, grab bag, what's there? But I keep kind of just trying stuff when I get bored of watching silly shows. And this is a terrific documentary. I really liked it. It's got a lot of sort of great, smart uh, talking heads in it. I mean, obviously the Black Panthers originated in Oakland. I did not know as much about them as I thought I did because this is a fascinating documentary. Um, One thing that I found so interesting was that Huey uh, Newton basically was uh both like queer and feminist i I don't want to say friendly but was very sort of like these are oppressed groups that we need to figure out how to align with and sort of form some sort of allyship and yeah and he but he also addressed kind of the panthers about you know you might not you know you're not you might not feel comfortable about this because you know you you want to punch a, a homosexual when you see him in the street because actually you may be afraid that you're homosexual. You might want to tell a woman to shut up because you're actually afraid that she might actually have, you know, more to say than you. He had this really interesting way of sort of building this intersectionality that I didn't really know about at all. Um, So I I found it really fascinating. Black Panther's Vanguard of the Revolution. Uh, Finally, I watched uh, Pipeline on Broadway HD, which is a... Uh, Roku channel. I think you can probably get it online that has a whole bunch of Broadway content, but there's a play from a few years back written by Dominique Morisot. Uh, it's all about the school to prison pipeline. It's basically about a woman played by Karen Pittman, who is amazing. She's apparently a TV actor that's been in a million things, but I had no idea who she was. And her son, she sends her son who's black to a private sort of reform school and he gets into an altercation with a teacher. Meanwhile, she teaches in a public school where there's all sorts of crazy, you know, altercations and not enough funding and terrible sort of abuse happening. And it's about her kind of trying to reconcile these two worlds. It's really good. I don't know that it's available on anything else other than Broadway HD, but um, I really thought it was thoughtful and interesting. And I, I want to look at more by this playwright. Uh, that's it for me. That's a, that's a lot. It's a mix of junk and other stuff, but um, yeah, that's the one nice thing about quarantine. We have some time. Should we move on to the Golden Girls? Sure, why not? Get your cheesecake. Are are you chocolate cheesecake or plain? Plain chocolate cheesecake isn't cheesecake. Oh. The Golden the Golden Girls like some chocolate. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> well, I love I love the Golden Girls, but I don't like cheesecake. <laughs> Do you, do you cringe every time they whip out? Okay, that's one thing I got to say up top. They whip out cheesecake like every other episode. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, all right, so we we wanted to talk about the Golden Girls. You're probably wondering, dear listeners, why are we talking about the Golden Girls? Um, I, you know, it's obviously a huge part of queer culture. It's obviously a huge part of American culture and worldwide sort of just like pop TV culture, I'd say. Um, but... It's something that I never, as a kid, when it was on in the 80s, really like latched onto her as an early teen. Um, but I've sort of watched sort of my queer sort of, you know, friends and sort of reflect it back at me and sort of been interested in why, A, I didn't connect with it and why so many people did. Um, but anyways, I want to hear more about uh, your relationships to it. Uh, Fanny, maybe... Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of your memories of it before we get to Ken, who's our admitted kind of I'm going to, sure. I'm going to say from the get, I am not 
here for a uh, Murder She Wrote rewatch. So this this is where we're stopping this. Okay. <laughs> oh, how dare you! Very different. <laughs> <laughs> Same time period in my life, which is why I bring it up uh, because I too didn't don't have much of a relationship to the Golden Girls. I remember it being on. I remember watching it and like not disliking it or anything, but I didn't ever super connect to it. And I kind of had this, I don't understand why it connects to people thing. And so I'm very interested to hear what, what it is that is that, that really connects because I didn't, I was sort of surprised at its longevity and it's the way it speaks to people. And even sitting and watching the episodes that I did with, with Parker, Parker was like, I thought he was going to hate this and it's super comforting. And so I'm curious to find out what, what it is that resonates, but I don't have a huge relationship with them past knowing their names and remembering it when I was, when it aired at the time when I was much, much younger. Ken, how about you? Pressure's on, just kidding. Um, well, I, mean, I, 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 I think I have two different relationships with that um, TV show, right? Um, I mean, I have the relationship that I had when I was watching it with my mom in a living room, in a crowded living room uh, in my childhood. And then the relationship that I had with the series um, later on. And I think that that those two are, they're connected, but they're also um, different. Um, When I was watching it with with my mother in um, Snipia, Herning, Denmark, 1987, I'm aging myself here, but I, I saw something that I didn't know existed, right? Um, sort of a, a relationship between these women who could live together in a, in a, in a way that was outside of the partnering of, 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 of a man and a woman and having um, a family. And then later, um, you know, I have, I've made my, I think we've invoked my husband before here, um, but I've, I've made him sit through all episodes, all 180 episodes of that show, right? Um, again and again and again. Um, because I think that to me as an adult, it brings something more um, significant in the way that it that in the way that it imagines a way of living that is outside of you know having a husband and a wife and two kids and a dog and you know I mean who fucking I, I don't know if you can swear on a you podcast. can swear <laughs> we, we got the explicit rating yeah, here so right. um, <laughs> there is a um, that there's a different world that you can have. And I think that that's what those girls did for me back there in the eighties, right? They they made it seem like it was possible that even when all your marriages failed, I've only had two of them, but um, you know, high like, five. <laughs> yeah, you know, like when all of that shit fails, there was there's life after that, right? And that you can actually sort of thrive and grow and be part of something 
that is beyond that system of what you have to do. Now, one of my questions is, so as someone growing up in Denmark, which is obviously, you know, leaning much more heavily towards, you know, socialism, the big bad S word than say America where the show was produced. Did it feel kind of like, did it feel representative to you of, um, you know, like a different ideal for Americans? Did you see it as reaching out as like America trying to be better or was it like, oh, this is just like a weird pocket of a show that happens to resonate outside of sort of very isolated, you know, nuclear family culture of America? I don't think I thought of it as American. Interesting. Uh, I think I just saw it as a representation of a way of living. Right. And when you think about it, I mean, I don't know who approved this show, right? I mean, showing up <laughs> in a boardroom and it's like, oh, I have an idea. Let's like produce a show about four, you know, middle-aged women living together alone after all their marriages have either failed or their husbands have died. And, oh, that's a great show. I mean... Who said, oh, that's a great idea, right? <laughs> I mean, it is amazingly revolutionary for just I mean, Susan Harris must have had um, quite some powers in, in, in persuading people <laughs> to make this show, right? Um, so I, I, I don't think I thought of, I, I didn't think about it as particularly American. I, I think I thought about it as like, yes, that's what I want to do. Right. I think I'm for me, I'm a little queer boy. Right. Um, I'm 20, 12 years old. Right. But these women can make this work. And so can I. Right. And so I, I, I think that in some weird way, they were inspirational in that way. Even though, and we have to talk about this, all the shows are about marriage, right? Oh my God. I mean, it's like, Every... oh, getting married to whom? And, like, Stan is coming back and all of this. I think it this. must have been written into the, like, you know, playbook that every season had to have, like, five proposals in it. <laughs> it's so do obsessed old with people, marriage. Do old people really propose to each other that much? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't get super far, and I think I saw at least two proposals. Right. So, so it, I mean, it's extremely, the show itself is extremely heterosexual in its norms, in terms of what you want and what you need to do. But at the same time, it's celebrating this queer relationship between these women, right? Not that it's sexual in any way, it's not, but they have a community among each other that doesn't exist outside of the show, which is why that freaking doorbell rings all the time, right? You know, and it's like, my dog and your cat. Oh, oh my cat goes like crazy. Every time that doorbell rings, my cat Toby is like out of there. I'm like, it's not a real doorbell. But, like, but it, but yeah, Pop now wants no part of the doorbell either, man. <laughs> But it's trying to celebrate something, I think, that is outside of that doorbell, right? I mean, that's, that's like heterosexuality and normality ringing your door and saying, hello, I'm here. 
you're gonna like marry and be happy and and they're like no fuck you we're not gonna do that Right. They they let him in. They're always nice, and then they send them on their way at the end of the episode. <laughs> and exactly right. I mean, and that's the thing about Stan. Right, Stan is always he's always already on his way out the door. Right, Dorothy is done with him, and she's the only one who's divorced. The other right. ones are um, widowed. Right. Yeah, that's because she's B motherfucking Arthur, man. <laughs> She's a badass. Right. So, so here's a brief break for spoilers. Spoiler. We always say there's going to be spoilers on this podcast, but we're going to warn you. We're going to warn you now because I don't think I'll make it through to the end. But Ken, what eventually happens to Stan? Well, I mean, Stan stays Stan, right? I mean, he gets married again, and then he does this and that. But he's just—he's a foil, right? He's right. just there to support something that Dorothy is doing, right? Which is also a lovely sort of dramaturgical thing. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't matter. Right. I mean, he could not be in the story. He could just be cut out. But be Arthur or Dorothy could not. Right. I don't care about him. He's it- just there as sort of a way of making sense of their story. Right. He's a thought experiment. Ways for them to talk about other issues and they use him as their, like you said, their foil. Yeah, exactly. But he's also there to say, okay, I'm your ex-husband, but who cares? Like, good luck. Right? I mean, Stan never gets, um, he never wins in the story, Right. Throughout all the seasons, he is never given um, a chance to show, right? Right. And and that's because Dorothy doesn't care. She doesn't need him. But she's still kind to him. That's definitely a thing that I've seen in in some of the, like, second and third season episodes, is she is sort of never turning away from him. But it's an interesting thing of, I, and I think it's another way in which it's a little revolutionary of, oh, I have compassion for this person. I was once in love with them, and I will certainly help them in this moment, yeah. but, but I'm not going to let it bother me in any way. And that's also sort of a queer notion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My I'm other sorry, question, I guess. Exactly where, the, where the show is actually... Um, feminist in some ways right in that it's saying i don't need you i have my own um family i have my own relationship i have all of this and so you know stan good luck with your fake poop dog or whatever it is that (laughs) is trying to pedal you know you know one thing when i when people have asked me about the golden girls in the last like 20 years and I was always like, oh, it made me depressed. And they're like, why? And I said, oh, it just always made me like think about death too much. And I think that's another thing that the show does in interesting ways. And rewatching it, I'm sort of confronted by how it that made me uncomfortable. In my mind, it was sort of like, ugh, it's this like fake American dream that everybody can go live in Florida in some fancy, beautiful house and just kind of wait to die in their air conditioning with like their best friends. And I was very like sort of turned off by that 
sort of American dream fantasy of it. And watching it now, much older and sort of engaging with kind of like what what that means and where the limits are and how many episodes are about how that that kind of fantasy doesn't protect you from actual melancholy about sort of mortality. All of that stuff has been really interesting to watch from a different lens as I've gotten older. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, I think even in this first season that we are here to talk about, even though I'm like skipping out of that, uh, but I mean, yeah, we don't really have to talk about it. Um, You're good. Yeah. But it's like that, like when Rose says to Dorothy, will be back ladies right if if blanche um chooses to marry this man um so that sort of class anxiety i think is also a really great part of a show right i mean these ladies don't live together just because they love each other right they have to yeah, right, because right, it's Blanche's... That's, I'd totally forgotten. It's Blanche's house. Yeah, Blanche's right. house, and the other two, like, rent the room. Right. I'm still very confused about the layout of the house. Me <laughs> like, too! Who, who sleeps where? <laughs> I think everybody is, but I want Blanche's, like, wallpaper, which is also the wallpaper of um, um, Indochine in, in New York City, right? So... Amazing. Yeah. The, the, the other thing I did want to cover before we sort of move on to it is it, it did tackle all of these kind of one-off in a very 80s sitcom way, these one-off things about sort of tolerance. And I mean, it's like a lesbian episode. There's a little person episode. And those are annoying in the 80s sitcom way of whenever those people show up, you know the show will find a way to discard them at the end of the episode, which is just realistically that's going to happen in a show like that in 1985 or whatever. But I just, it's, it's funny to watch how many things they tried to tackle, even if they could only handle it for an episode. So I just want to call that out. It's pretty amazing that they even tried some of that stuff. No, I mean, for sure. I think that um, all of that, and this is actually getting us back to the question that you had about, um, sort of watching it in Denmark in the 80s, it meant a lot, actually, um, to see some of these things represented on screen, right? Um, and I think it did the same thing in, 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 in the U.S. Um, that they were trying, and they did well, I think, in representing questions of um, representation. In, 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 in that way, right? Right, and shown I mean, up at their door and they let them in, like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the doorbell, again, ding dong, and right. then there's a little person or there's a, you know, a black person or, you know. Right, I mean, right. it's, um, I, I think they did a lot of good Definitely. in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, now, and beyond, just from oh, afar, uh, and seeing yourself represented in ways that are interesting or even complicated, right? Because you right. feel complicated yourself. Now, beyond episode, uh, beyond season one, what are some of your other favorite episodes? If, if I don't know, say I were to continue. <laughs> oh, I don't know. 
How far um, are you, Justin? I'm I'm kind of like into three. I may have slept, been drunk through a couple of them, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've certainly watched a, the bulk up through midway season three. Do you have any ones that you know? What one I really liked was the one. One of my so a funny character. Now we can just dish. We're through all the serious stuff. One of my favorite <laughs> things about it is Sophia. My memory of Sophia was like, oh my god, she's such a mugging, like terrible, whatever character. She was so annoying to me. Is like in my memory. You, I end up loving her this time. She's so funny. And that episode where basically she meets the black guy with dementia on the pier. Oh, that is a great episode. Did, yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. And the, the little jazz band playing <laughs> behind. Yeah. Ken, how many times do you think you've watched the entire series? I probably watched the entire series like five times, something like that. That's like, amazing. Yeah. Come on, you have to have some recs for us. Which ones do we have to see? Well, I can't remember, actually. Because um, they all sort of blend into one each, you know. That they do. Yeah. <laughs> You're and like okay. the ones without the marriage proposals. <laughs> I, d- I don't like the marriage ones, I have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and it has to be asked, have you watched Designing Women? I have. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I loved it. Okay. Um, Yay! <laughs> um, but I think that Golden Girls uh, spark. I mean, they, they created a whole like yeah. room for, for female actors to absolutely and, and stars of shows. Right. I'm just glad to hear you say that you also liked it because I've heard it's sort of an either or thing, and so I oh, wanted I to make sure that's I not true. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Ken likes Barbara and Bet. There's no. There's no choosing. I thought it was Barbara and Dolly. Oh, no, everybody loves Dolly. But oh, there's, okay. def- right. <laughs> there's definitely a Barbara Bet war that many queens feel like they need to fall on one side of. I think gotcha. Ken, like me, well, maybe more Ken than me. <laughs> like both. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I got to ask the last stupid question. Cliche, very silly. Who? Okay, name one or a combination of Golden Girls that you see yourself most as. And all three of us have to do it. Who goes first? Oh, God. Okay. I'll go first. Right. Um, I am definitely a Dorothy Rose combo. I'm like a little cranky. I'm sometimes kind of stupid. And I'm also a little nutty. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go next. Um, I'm a combination, I think, of Dorothy and Blanche. Oh, you bet. Um, <laughs> I was waiting. In that I'm... <laughs> I'm horny as all get out, um, but I'm also um, acerbic and sarcastic. That tracks. I buy it. Yeah, acerbic, sarcastic, and I really like B. Arthur has stood for so many really cool things from Maud forward. So, yeah, a lot of Dorothy and maybe a little bit of the old cranky mom that loves you no matter who you are. So, you know. <laughs> Wait, so, you're saying... so, so Dorothy and her mom. Yep. Yep. I was going to say that. If I had to guess, oh. that's I would have guessed the same. What, what is that um, title song from Maud? 
Um, blah, 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 blah. And then yeah. Gay Maud, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lady Godiva was a freedom writer. Lady Godiva was a freedom writer. Yeah, yeah. she didn't care if the whole world saw it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I stand behind B. Arthur and both of those characters' politics and meanness, but in a loving way. And and I don't remember what is the mom's name? Sophia. 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 Yeah. So yeah, a Dorothy and a Sophia. That's if I had to switch, had to put them together, that that would be it. And uh, I get a little little I forget shit. So yeah, I I, I stand behind it. <laughs> Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining thank and you. chatting about uh, Golden Girls. This is totally fun, and we will and, um, yeah. figure Justin, out another way to do it soon. Justin, where can the audience tell us who they are on the Golden hey guys, Girls? Who are you on the Golden Girls? You can talk you to us. A, on, you need a website, guys. We uh, we have a Facebook, uh, the Next Podcast Facebook group. You can certainly um, chat there. Ken will build us a website. Uh, URL Woo! forthcoming. <laughs> And you can also email us at motionandnicks at gmail.com. Uh, Fanny is at the Knicks podcast on Twitter. Ken, what is your Twitter handle if people want to talk to you? Or if you want to give it? I think it's just Ken Nilsen. Yeah. Okay. And I, <laughs> I am still abstaining from Twitter because the world is a shit can on fire. Um, and I can't wait. handle Twitter. Um, <laughs> Dorothy. Wait. I'm such a Dorothy <laughs> thing to say. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care. We love you. Be safe. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good morning from Abu Dhabi. Yes, good morning from Abu Dhabi. Thank you, Ken.